Hello everyone and welcome to Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host of this show, Nicholas Falato, and we are going to wrap up our draft recap by going over the NFC and the AFC West's draft. We're going to break down each team, their philosophy, what these teams may have been thinking when they made these specific drafts. So let's get into it. Let's look at the Arizona Cardinals first and Cliff Kingsbury, you know, he hasn't gotten to the playoffs yet. It was exciting early on last year, and it kind of crumbled down the stretch of the season when Kyler Murray was dealing with that shoulder injury. They bring back Vance Joseph, and Giant fans, we know all well that Vance Joseph is an excellent defensive mind because he was able to manipulate the Giants offense. Granted, the Giants offense wasn't that great last year, but he manipulated the protections, and he was facing a hobble Daniel Jones, but we can just see that there is a lot of talent in Vance Joseph's ability to call defense, and he added a nice piece to his defense in the first round in Zayvon Collins, the Tulsa outside linebacker who is just a massive man at six foot five, 260 pounds as a linebacker is going to be really, really effective. Bring him on the blitz. He's athletic enough to drop into coverage. He's, I, I, I'm going to say this. I think he could be better at stacking and shedding blocks at the point of attack for somebody of his size but he's a very very unique player that they compare with Isaiah Simmons who they took in the top 10 last year the inside linebacker from Clemson or the safety whatever you want to classify him as so I think that's just making for a very very athletic second level for the Arizona Cardinals and they have to face guys like George Kittle twice a year so it's going to allow them to hopefully in their minds be able to defend these versatile offenses like the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams all who are within their division and in the second round they go with Rondell Moore Purdue wide receiver and in the fourth round they went with Marco Wilson the Florida cornerback the sixth round they had two picks Victor Dimukeji, the Duke defensive end, and Tay Gowan, the UCF cornerback. And then they had two seventh-round picks, James Wiggins, the Cincinnati safety, and Michael Manet, the Penn State center. So I talked about Zayvon Collins now. I think 16 is a little bit of a reach there for him. They may have been hoping that Micah Parsons ended up falling, but the Dallas Cowboys selected him at 12. So they went with Zayvon Collins at 16. Maybe they had their eyes on possibly selecting Devonta Smith because they wanted to add a playmaker they wanted to add a wide receiver but Devonta Smith obviously went to 11 or to 10 to the Philadelphia Eagles so they probably just looked at it and they said look we still really like Zayvon Collins he's going to be our guy we're going to select him and then in the second round we'll see what receivers are around see who ends up falling because this was a deeper receiver class it was unlikely that Rashad Bateman was going to fall now it seems like it was really unlikely that Kadarius Tony was going to fall even though a lot of people imagine that he would be around somewhere in the second round obviously the New York Giants ended up selecting him in the first round so they end up getting Rondell Moore and Rondell Moore he's not big whatsoever he's only five foot seven he's about 180 pounds and Purdue design touches for him because the offense didn't necessarily have a vertical element but I don't think that's an indictment on Rondell Moore's ability to be an effective vertical weapon now you get the football in this kid's hand and he can make people miss and you pair him with DeAndre Hopkins you pair him with Kyler Murray and now they also added AJ Green they have Christian Kirk who they drafted in the second round back in 2018 this is his contract year and he's kind of underwhelmed and been a little bit injured for the Arizona Cardinals but you look at this offense just in general it's very very explosive I mean, you have one of the best receivers who is a contested catch receiver who's great vertically in DeAndre Hopkins. You got that old savvy vet in A.J. Green. Christian Kirk is a really, really solid slot option. You can kick outside if you ask him to. And then you insert Rondell Moore, who's a significant upgrade over Andy Isabella, somebody that 
Cliff Kingsbury and this team drafted in the second round over DK Metcalf back in 2019, which does not age well whatsoever. But Rondell Moore, if he could stay healthy, which is the big if, that is a a really, really nice addition to this offense that is predicated on 10 personnel, on spreading the defense horizontally, and then just attacking space. Because football is a game of space, and you want to attack space, you want to attack numbers, you want to create mismatches, and when you have that kind of speed of Rondell Moore, and you have the type of receiving weapons that the Cardinals have with DeAndre Hopkins and all those other guys I already named, it's going to be hard for defenses to cover, especially with Kyler Murray's rushing ability. Now, he just has to stay healthy. He can't take those shoulder injuries, so this team can possibly jump to the playoffs, which I'm not sure if I really envision because you have Sean McVay and the Rams, and you have Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, and that's not even mentioning the Seahawks with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, who were just always in the playoffs, despite the fact that a lot of people on the outside don't believe that they're talented enough to get there. So cards are stacked against Arizona, but... We can hope and see if, if you're an Arizona Cardinal fan, that is, the additions of Rondell Moore and Zabin Collins can help the offense defense that much. Now, Marco Wilson in the fourth round as their third pick. This is somebody a lot of people thought was going to be a seventh round pick. I think he has really, really good athletic ability, but he underwhelmed at Florida. He had a good, solid first year on campus there, and then it was just underwhelming since then. And then he had the issue with LSU where he threw his shoe, took the dumb penalty, and then LSU ends up winning the football game, basically knocking Florida out of any contention to to compete for a national championship. So there's some disciplinary reasons why Marco Wilson's probably frowned upon down there in Gainesville, and he also has kind of short arms. I, again, I think he has good body control. I think he his hips are fluid. He can transition. He just hasn't put it all together yet, and from a mental processing standpoint, I question if he's quite there, but that can all be developed, especially with Vance Joseph as your defensive coordinator, and I like Victor DiMichigi, to be honest, from from Duke, for a smaller edge rusher who plays with good leverage, who packs a solid punch, has heavy hands, and actually has a solid array of pass rushing moves. not the overly flexible type of guy, but I think you can put him as a seven technique or a six technique, and you can jam tight ends, affect their release off the line of scrimmage, and then he has enough juice to rush the passer, so I think he can kind of slide in there with these talented pass rushers they have in Chandler Jones. They obviously signed J.J. Watt to kind of come over. They still have Zach Allen, like a photo, who's more of a nose technique, but I like the addition there at that juncture of the draft i honestly don't have much on gowan or Monet, but james wiggins is somebody that a lot of people in the draft community spoke really really highly of i didn't get around to much cincinnati defensive tape but from what i saw he was a fast good athlete who had range who can monitor the center field and he also was 210 pounds so he packs a punch and can drop down into the box and that's kind of somebody who you can really use in a very versatile manner so i like that addition there in the seventh round of james wiggins Overall, I'd say this is an okay draft, but they probably didn't come away with their number one targets at each of their positions, which not everybody ends up doing that. However, there were other players at the positions like wide receiver and linebacker and even cornerback where I think there were people that were higher on my specific board that went around that area. So it doesn't seem like they may have gotten the most out of this draft, but time will tell. And I think it's a solid draft, but nothing overly spectacular. Let's move on to the Los Angeles Rams. And look, the Rams, they never have a first round pick, it seems, are always trading and making moves. Les Snead loves to deal first round picks and bring in guys like Jalen Ramsey and bring in individuals like Brandon Cooks from the in the past, guys who are established veterans and don't really need that development that takes quite a while. The second round though, man, 
Look, last year they drafted Van Jefferson in the second round last year. Kid out of Florida, really, really talented route runner, went down to the Senior Bowl, and a lot of people were talking about him. And they had Cooper Cup on the roster. They have Robert Woods. They had Josh Reynolds, but he ends up going to the Tennessee Titans. And then now they bring in Deshaun Jackson. And then with their first pick on a team that just is hurting along the offensive line, where Andrew Whitworth is maybe their best offensive lineman, and he's basically the age of Methuselah at this freaking point. They select another wide receiver and go with Tutu Atwell, but not just a wide receiver, a sub 5'10", 150-pound wide receiver. And some people said 146 pounds at some point. Like everyone talks about the size of Devonta Smith, but Tutu Atwell, who is explosive, who has top speed that is really, really eye-popping, who's quick-footed, who is a good downfield threat because of how he can stretch the field vertically. But man. He is small. This is somebody you need to get in your weight room. He needs to eat some PB&Js, bro, because he is a tiny guy. And the Rams went and they selected him in the second round with their first pick. And the only thing that says to me, other than the fact that I know Les Snead loves playmakers, loves them, is they look at Matt Stafford's ability to push the ball vertically. And they are like, wow, this is a lot different than Jared Goff. Let's stress the defense of all these other NFC West opponents and let's attack vertically and allow those technicians underneath cooper cup and robert woods route technicians to just manipulate coverages get open in one-on-one situations and you know what if coverage breaks down you're gonna have tutu atwell one of the most explosive players now in the nfl flying down the field now is this a luxury pick i don't want to go that far even though i do look like they're, they're picking in the second round here there's still offensive linemen that are available that they couldn't necessarily go with and could possibly if not start in year one definitely help replenish the farm system of the los angeles rams offensive line because i mean tutu atwell was picked with a 25th pick at 57 overall in the draft and it was right before terrence marshall who's a bigger type of wide receiver so they wanted more of a speed type of guy but you still had creed humphrey on the board you still had josh myers on the board the ohio state center and creed humphrey is the center from oklahoma you still had some really really solid options here who could come in and compete and possibly win jobs Jalen mayfield who's a developmental offensive lineman from michigan i mean brady christensen the offensive tackle from byu I guess you can say they made the strength stronger by adding a wide receiver there, but allocating some more priority picks to their offensive line may help Matt Stafford more because that guy's so used to running for his life with the Lions. I'm not sure if they want him to be doing that now that he is on the Rams. So it's going to be interesting to see how Sean McVay uses him. I'm sure he has a really, really solid plan to do so. Let's see if it's actually effective, and let's see if Atwell can hold up against some of these NFL hits being what sub 160 pounds which is incredibly small and then in the third round they went with Ernest Jones the linebacker out of South Carolina and then in the fourth round they had two picks one Bobby Brown the third Texas A&M defensive tackle Robert Rochelle Central Arkansas cornerback and they actually had another fourth round pick so three fourth round picks Jacob Harris UCF wide receiver in the fifth they went with Ernest Brown Northwestern defensive end and then they had three seventh round picks Jake Funk Maryland running back Ben Skoranek, Notre Dame wide receiver, and Chris Garrett, Concordia, St. Paul, outside linebacker. So Ernest Jones is somebody who is a good effort type of player who can come downhill. He executes his run fits well. Sort of reminded me of a little bit of a better version of TJ Brunson from everything that I saw. And the Rams needed some help at the linebacker position because they end up bringing back Leonard Floyd. That's more of a 
edge type of player, but then on the inside was playing behind Aaron Donald. They had the fifth round pick out of Virginia, Micah Parsons back in 2018, Troy Reader, who they got in 2019, they have Justin Hollins, Kenny Young, but nobody who's actually seizing this job. And I think Ernest Jones can step in and possibly be an upgrade over Micah Kaiser. The thing about Jones is he's not overly athletic. I think he's, from what I've seen of South Carolina's defense, he's good at dropping into zone coverage. He's really, really aggressive coming downhill, like I alluded to. Man coverage may not be his bread and butter, but I think at the third round, you needed to target that position that's not a terrible addition so i'm not going to sit there and knock it bobby brown who they ended up getting in the fourth round is just a really really solid size length speed upfield burst type of guy so i think he just has a lot of different things working for him coming from the texas a&m program remember they had justin matabuke who ended up going to the ravens i think it was in 2020 it might have been 2019 but he reminds me some bobby brown reminds me a little bit of matabuke maybe a little bit stronger at the point of attack a little bit bigger matabuke is a little bit more of a quick lateral agility type of player but brown he's somebody who can possibly rush the passer you know, in passing situations, despite the fact that he's 320 pounds and he's good in one-on-one situations. As a run defender, taking on double teams is something that he can develop. Maybe he needs to anchor down just a little bit more, but you add him next to Aaron Donald and he can use his lateral quickness to, and his just sheer size to, to take advantage of one-on-one matchups, which he's going to see plenty of playing next to Aaron Donald. Robert Rochelle, high upside, incredible athlete coming from a really small program in Central Arkansas. Went down to the Senior Bowl. People were talking about how he was going to be a second-round pick, and he didn't practice all that much in the Senior Bowl because he ended up getting hurt. But every time he was out there, he was just getting toasted. But he has long arms. He's a really, really good athlete. He just needs to be a little bit more disciplined, and he needs to handle speed better because when he was at the Senior Bowl, just the short half of practice that he ended up doing he was really struggling with those speedy receivers because he hadn't seen that yet because he played at central arkansas so i think this is just a high developmental pick who gets to learn behind jalen ramsey similar to how brown gets to learn behind aaron donald and the rest of the draft is nothing necessarily to write home about in my estimation i mean the rams really really rely on hitting on these day three picks these fourth these fifth these seventh round picks sixth round but they didn't have any picks in the sixth round in this draft they really really do because they don't rely on those first round picks they have no issue similar to the seattle seahawks trading their first round picks for veterans as i said before so they're really going to be looking for guys like ernest brown the defensive end out of northwestern who is really really large versatile type of guy six foot five 270 pounds but can he develop a pass rushing game yet i didn't see that in college at northwestern can he develop that Jacob Harris, the UCF wide receiver, looked in the fourth round. There were other wide receivers I liked, but they wanted the big body. So they get this big body red zone threat. He was six foot five, 211 pounds, huge catch radius, but he struggled with dropping the football at UCF. So he's going to go in. He's going to be a developmental player there, and we'll see if Sean McVay is going to be able to get him on the field. And as for Jake Funk, seventh round pick, look, solid size, 205 pounds, more of a scat back type of guy, but he can lower his shoulder and has solid contact balance, but they bring him in there to be a special teams player and that's why they added him and then the other two guys like Garrett I didn't watch at all and Skoronic he is just a Notre Dame guy technical type of wide receiver has good size the athletic ability just is not there he did a solid job in contested catch situations at the or throughout his college career went down to the senior bowl ended up getting hurt did not play in the game but he's somebody who tried to crack the back end of the roster but all in all the Rams draft I'm not in love with it, to be honest with you. I think there were better drafts 
and I'm about to go over one that I wouldn't necessarily call better, and that's mainly because this team had three picks, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, they had three picks. They had a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick. Their second-round pick was Dwayne Eskridge, the wide receiver from Western Michigan. You know what? This does make sense. The Seattle Seahawks love Tyler Lockett. They love DK Metcalf, but they didn't want Freddie Swain to be what David Moore was for them. And Dwayne Eskridge, he's an upgrade over what David Moore was, especially from a... And David Moore was an underrated player in my estimation. He ended up leaving in free agency, but Dwayne Eskridge, somebody who could take the top off of defenses, really, really lightning quick. He was the talk of the senior bowl. Everybody was just raving about how much of a quality player Dwayne Eskridge was. Didn't end up playing in the game because he made all that money, theoretically, for himself earlier in practices, but adding him is going to allow this team to switch to more 11 personnel packages, a more competent 11 personnel package. Now, Eskridge is going to have to be able to block if he wants to be consistent within that 11 personnel package, but you can line him up as the Z with DK Metcalf as the X, Tyler Lockett in the slot, and you have a really solid trio for Russell Wilson. So I understand that pick from the Seattle Seahawks perspective. Trey Brown, the Oklahoma cornerback, went down to the Senior Bowl. Look, I thought he was up and down. I thought he was better than his teammate Trey Norwood, who was the other Oklahoma cornerback down there, but he's not that tall, but he and he doesn't have the the arm length to to really be a threat in contested catch situations, but he's just a phenomenal athlete. You add him to Seattle, Pete Carroll has done wonders developing later round picks, especially and Pete Carroll and his staff, I should say, especially cornerbacks that, especially cornerbacks. And Ken Norton Jr. has also done a really good job, the defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. So adding him as one of their three picks, they're going to hope to get some sort of development out of him, and they may need it. They lost Shaq Griffin last year, and they have they bring in Akello Witherspoon, who's a downgrade from Shaq Griffin. You still have Trey Flowers. You have Pierre Desir, who's just been bouncing around everywhere. So you may be relying on someone like Trey Brown as early as year one of an injury happens. And that could be problematic, but we'll have to wait and see. And then Stone Forsyth in the sixth round, the Florida offensive tackle. Look, he's six foot eight, three hundred and seven pounds. A lot of people that I knew in the draft community had him much higher than I did. Now, he has the footwork. He has the length. He can bend for a big guy. So you look at it, you're like, how is this guy not a first-round pick? He just doesn't have the demeanor in the rushing portion of offensive line. There's a lot of blocks where he leans into it and he just falls off blocks and he doesn't have that finishing type of mentality to really look for. And not in the sense of Christian Derisaw, or Christian Derisaw took some plays off. Not not necessarily like that. It was just it wasn't a consistent part of his game as a run blocker. It's something that you know the Seattle Seahawks really put a high priority on, but Pass protection, Stone Forsyth, his jump from his junior to senior year was pretty impressive. And he really shut down Aziz Ojolari for a lot of their 2020 game. So I, I like this pick at this part of the draft. Sixth round, somebody who has the footwork, has the length, has the bend, has the athletic ability. Those things are incredibly hard to teach for offensive linemen. So you get him there, I am 100% fine with that pick at that point. Now, if he was picked in the second round, I would not have been as big of a fan of it. So let's move on to the final team, and that is the San Francisco 49ers, who dodged the theoretical bullet of selecting Mac Jones. Everybody was losing their minds. I don't know where that rumor came from, but someone started that rumor that Mac Jones was going to be the pick at three, and that Kyle Shanahan traded all that draft capital to go up and get him. None of that ended up being true whatsoever, and Kyle Shanahan's guy was Trey Lance. And the Quarterback I thought about when I heard the San Francisco 49ers were trading up, first guy I thought about was Trey Lance. Trey Lance played in a system that loved to check down the fullbacks. Kyle Shanahan loves to do that. He played in a pro system. He set his protections. He, It was a system where he didn't have to throw the football all that much in North Dakota State, but 
it was a system where he had to rely and where he had so much responsibility knowing what the defense was going to do to do knowing what his teammates had to do and then executing so many different things and making different adjustments and calls right before the snap put a lot on their quarterback shoulders and now you bring him into this more quarterback quote-unquote friendly system and now you can add the running element to this Kyle Shanahan rushing attack it's going to be insane when you think about it just watch all 22 of Kyle Shanahan rushing the football the counters the movement the pulling the deception it's just a beautiful work of art it's a masterpiece what kyle shanahan is able to do and there's reasons why guys like raheem moster and tevin coleman and these running backs that are castaways in other places end up being so solid in that system and they added another running back in this draft and elijah mitchell in the sixth round and they added wayne gallman they just have so many running backs they added trey sermon in the third round i mean there's so many running backs there but it doesn't necessarily matter because kyle shanahan just makes running backs good we saw jeff wilson have multiple three touchdown games last year it was insane or just multiple touchdown games but getting trey lance that is the quarterback of the future he's gonna end up starting this year despite the fact that jimmy garoppolo may be on the roster but that is an excellent selection by kyle shanahan he has his guy and this could be it just an incredibly dangerous combination of Shanahan and Trey Lance in the National Football League. Second round, they get Aaron Banks, the Notre Dame offensive guard. Third round, they go with Trey Sermon, Ohio State running back, and Ambry Thomas, Michigan cornerback. Fifth round, they go with Jalen Moore, Western Michigan offensive guard. Dio Madre Lenore, Oregon cornerback. And Talana Hufunga, USC safety hybrid linebacker. And then Elijah Mitchell, the Louisiana running back. Rob Sale used to be his coach in the sixth round. And I love the Aaron Banks pick. I think he's going to be excellent with the pulling, especially on the play side, just as a power blocker, just to be a mean offensive lineman, along with, I think it's Lacken Tomlinson, who's their other guard that they have, who's going to be starting on the left side. They also have Tom Comp in there. They had Alex Mack that they brought over from Atlanta, used to be with Kyle Shanahan there. They saw Trent Williams, Mike McGlinchey. I mean, it's just... It's a pretty solid offensive line. You add Aaron Banks to that. I mean, I'm jealous because I wanted the Giants to get Aaron Banks, but that did not end up happening. Trey Sermon ran so much outside zone, so much stretch zone at Ohio State because that's basically all Ohio State runs is those concepts, and that's the concept that Kyle Shanahan loves. So this is just a perfect transition for Trey Sermon, who is 220 pounds, just built incredibly thick in his lower half had all of those huge games heading into the college football playoff and into the college football playoff so i just look at the trey sermon selection and say this is somebody who could find his way on the field and be really dangerous because kyle shanahan unlocks the best of running backs so let's see how that ends up going every thomas opted out of the 2020 season but they end up getting him he can play outside he's a press guy but he can also play inside he has that kind of versatility he's good at man coverage he can mirror he can match so i love that addition too in the third round jalen moore went down to the senior bowl a lot of people were talking about him the western michigan offensive guard he played a little bit of tackle out there he's six foot four 311 pounds he can really anchor down shows good ability to hold up at the point of attack could be a little bit better with his hand usage and he does overextend a little bit but i do believe as his own blocker this could be something that is really good because he was solid with his transitions in college especially on those ace type of blocks where he's him in the center teaming up and then one of them has to climb depending on the leverage he was good with that make sure that the center reaches gets the block and then he transitioned he could do the same on deuce blocks with tackles as well so i love that pick in the fifth round lenore is just a solid five foot ten 200 pound cornerback he's he's not great in man coverage 
but he was good disrupting passes just at the catch point from everything that I saw of Oregon's defense. I didn't do an evaluation on him, but I did like what I saw. And you know what? Hufanga is somebody that I heard a lot about but did not get the chance to watch a lot of USC defense, to be honest. But everything I heard, he comes downhill flying, screaming, and just nailing people. And he's very also similar to Lenore, good at the catch point, just a really disruptive type of player, but not the best overall athlete and then I liked Elijah Mitchell to be honest Elijah Mitchell somebody who was really really productive at Louisiana with Rob Sale he's not the best athlete but he's a quick type of player doesn't necessarily have that that uh, breakaway speed but he can burst the hole burst through the hole and he has really really good vision to find the hole and find cutbacks which I think translates really really well to this Kyle Shanahan team so I really like this draft from the uh, NFC West. If if there were, if I had to pick a draft, my favorite draft would probably be San Francisco. I mean, Seattle had three picks, and the other two, Arizona's draft was okay, and and the Rams' draft was okay. But I mean, you got your franchise guy here. You got Aaron Banks. You got multiple running backs who can really thrive in your system. You got some defensive pieces that can step in and play year one, and then you got a developmental offensive lineman in Jalen Moore. Aaron Banks, I already consider somebody who's not a development who can step in and start if you need him to. I think that is a really really good draft by John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Alrighty, so before we get into the AFC West and the review of that draft, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, so we have the Denver Broncos to kick off the AFC West. And you know what? First round, just like their head coach would love to see, and John Elway is probably doing him a favor here with Big Fangio and bringing in that cornerback help to really try to help stop these potent offenses and quarterbacks that are in this division they select Pat Sertan the second the Alabama cornerback at pick nine and they did pass on the opportunity to select Justin Fields who ended up going to the Chicago Bears with the trade with the New York Giants at pick 11 they went with Pat Sertan I mean their quarterback situation is Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke it's not exactly inspiring hope for me right now Getting Pat Sertan is going to be a high floor type of selection, but if Justin Fields ends up being what a lot of people feel like he could be, this could be a really, really bad swing and a miss, even though Pat Sertan could still be a solid player in this league. But this is a quarterback-driven league. Everybody knows that. In the second round, they go with Javante Williams, North Carolina running back. Third round, Quinn Miners, Wisconsin Whitewater offensive guard, and Baron Browning, Ohio State outside linebacker. Fifth round, Caden Stearns, Texas safety, and Jamar Johnson, Indiana safety. Sixth round, Seth Williams, Auburn wide receiver. In the seventh round, they had three picks. Kerry Vincent Jr., LSU cornerback, Jonathan Cooper, Ohio State defensive end, and Marquise Spencer, Mississippi State defensive end. To be honest, I really like this draft. I, I understand that they passed on Justin Fields, and that was their prerogative, but they end up getting a really, really solid defensive cornerback who can lock down or help 
attempt to lock down number one wide receivers in Pat Sertan. He is a number one type of cornerback, or at least he has the upside to be that. I'm not sure if he will be that. Year one didn't seem like a lot of year one cornerbacks last year fared all that well. I think it's a really, really tough transition. You could look at C.J. Henderson, Kipham Jacksonville, who was drafted out of Florida, Jeffrey Okuda, who was drafted to the Lions out of Ohio State, A.J. Terrell, he had his ups and downs, Kipham Clemson, who went to Atlanta. So Pat Sertan might not be a great year one, but I think the sky is... I think the upside is is solid with him, and the floor is really, really high. Javante Williams, I love this selection. I, I know I'm not a big draft running backs high type of guy, but I love Javante Williams. I love the fact that he is an angry runner who runs through people's souls and their faces. And he watched the Miami game from 2020, man. He is an absolute stud, and he's going to fit the personality of a Vic Fangio. And what Vic Fangio wants to do, Pat Shermer's going to love to run those inside zone plays. Williams does have solid vision. He can pass protect really well, and he's a solid pass catcher. I know they had Michael Carter to do that at UNC, but he can do that within the framework of Pat Shermer's system, and he can also just run through people. So him and Melvin Gordon are just going to be an aggressive downhill type of running team <laughs> they're going to love the inside zone of pat Shermer as long as Shermer gets a little bit more creative than he was with the new york giants when calling those plays love the quinn miners pick in the third round out of wisconsin whitewater somebody who held up really well down at the senior bowls i've been talking about him a lot on this podcast and on all the podcasts that i do because i thought he was a solid prospect for a d3 guy but not just for a d3 guy when you go down to the senior bowl and you do as well as and you perform as well as you did against power five players when you did not play football for an entire year because you played at a smaller level at different positions positions you did not try before and you showed the strength that you did it just it just showed a lot about the kid not to mention his gravitating personality that people always seem to go towards because he is just very very inviting very very personable and had a lot of leadership qualities so i think that's an excellent pick there by the denver broncos baron browning five-star recruit Went to Ohio State, did not live up to his high potential, I would say. But he's somebody who's versatile, who can come off the edge, who can drop into coverage, who is a good athlete, but he doesn't have to be relied on right now, which is excellent because you have Von Miller coming back and you have Bradley Chubb. You have this really, really talented defense. Now, in the middle of your defense, Baron Browning, he played middle linebacker. He played on the edge a little bit. I think he's going to be a hybrid of that and probably not be in a full-time role just yet but he could if he can develop the inside game a little bit more and be better at reading his keys and stacking and he could earn that job over alexander johnson they love josie jewel there josie jewel is a really really good processing type of player baron browning is a much better athlete than someone like josie jewel but getting him at the end of the third round i think is a solid move for the denver broncos caden stearns athletic safety who has solid size who's aggressive coming downhill another solid pick there in the fifth round and then seth williams in the sixth round i like that just as a big body guy He's going to struggle with separation quickness, but he's similar frame to a Cortland Sutton who's coming back from his injuries, and you need to kind of have a little bit of insurance because you want that big X type of receiver. You have Jerry Judy who can play that role, but he's more of a Z, more of a move type of guy with guys like KJ Hamler lining up in the slot. Tim Patrick is another guy who filled in really, really nicely with Cortland Sutton. Seth Williams isn't going to be able to steal snaps from a Tim Patrick, but maybe he can develop into a solid red zone third down type of guy who can run solid routes. Kerry Vincent Jr. from LSU, another guy I want to touch on real quick. Step in, he could play slot, undersized type of guy, but good man, coverage, cornerback who's versatile. 
and uh, could be a little bit better as a tackler, a little bit stronger at the point of attack. They were just get him in the seventh round. A lot of people were talking about him as a day two pick not long ago. So I think that's a solid addition. And I actually like Jonathan Cooper. Went down on the senior bowl. Love how he uses his hands, uses his leverage to his advantage because he's only about six foot three and actually has some solid pass rushing moves, to be honest. You get him in the seventh round. I think that's another solid addition. And I really did like this Denver Broncos draft. I thought it was... It attacked a lot of key areas of this Denver team. This Denver team is in a really, really tough spot being in this division just in general and being able to kind of win in a division where you have to face Patrick Mahomes twice a year and now Justin Herbert looks like he could be a real thing and you don't really have a quarterback. That's what's kind of holding me back from really loving this draft is the fact that they didn't get that cornerback. They still have to go into this year with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, which isn't something that is going to inspire any hope, like I said before. So that's what's holding me back. But other than that, I did like this draft. Let's move on to the Kansas City Chiefs, who did not have a first-round pick because they traded it to the Baltimore Ravens for Orlando Brown, which, I mean, that's excellent for the Chiefs. And if you look at what the Chiefs did with their offensive line, they recognized that they needed help there, that Pat Mahomes was just subjected to a terrible offensive line in the Super Bowl, and it cost them the Super Bowl, to be honest, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that pass rush. So they went and they attacked the offensive line, and they brought in offensive linemen who could really, really help. And they did it in a variety of different ways. They got Orlando Brown from Baltimore, who wanted out of Baltimore, so they were able to get him from an AFC rival, a big AFC rival. This is a perfect type of tackle who can come in here, left tackle, play on the left side. The Ravens wanted to stick him on the right side. He wanted to be a left tackle, so now he gets to be a left tackle with Pat Mahomes, protecting Pat Mahomes. That's really, really cool. Bring Kyle Long out of retirement which is awesome for them. They're going to get Laurent Duvernay-Tardif back, the doctor, this season. And then they end up selecting Creed Humphrey in the second round, one of my favorite offensive linemen out of Oklahoma. And they brought in Joe Tooney from the New England Patriots. Talk about revamping a unit that struggled last year. But to get to the draft, you want to include Orlando Brown to this? I mean, this draft is another great draft because you get Nick Bolton, who's a good downhill undersized but packs a punch i don't think he's as big of a liability in coverage as a lot of other people do but he's not going to be a man coverage guy but he can drop to the certain depth and i mean he has short arms that's not great for closing windows but he's a great open field type of tackler he's not a liability in that area he's great backside pursuit defender as well and i think steve spagnola can do a lot of creative things with nick bolton also send him on the blitz that i think is going to uh, allow him and willie gay who they drafted out of mississippi state last year to be some exciting future linebackers here if they can develop and i have faith in spags to develop and they still have anthony hitchens on the roster as well they need to help that defense out help that offense out and they help the offense out by going creed humphrey in the second round he could possibly step up and start over austin Blythe. we have to see he's just a really really effective type of player he uses his hands well strong at the point of attack incredibly smart played a ton of football at oklahoma so i think that's just an excellent get for them fourth round they got joshua kando from florida state defensive end high developmental upside spent a lot of time at florida state injured and florida state doesn't do the best job developing their talent but this is somebody who's incredibly long he's six foot six 260 pounds they just lost tano passing who's a little bit bigger than kando but 
similar type of frames. I think they'll use him in a similar type of fashion. Also stick him on special teams. And there's still a lot of room to grow for someone like Kane, though. And they went with Noah Gray, the Duke tight end. He's somebody who isn't the best blocker, but can definitely be a solid option as a receiver behind the Travis Kelseys of the world. And they also have Nick Kaiser. They have Blake Bell. I think Noah Gray can step in and compete with guys like Blake Bell for snaps because he's a pretty good route runner. He's a solid enough athlete and they get him in the fifth round not a terrible pick cornell powell clemson wide receiver and trey smith tennessee offensive guard round out the draft powell look he was at clemson it seemed like forever no one really knew who he was and then his senior season he just ends up balling out showing how he has a good catch radius how he can run routes how he can manipulate cornerbacks showing his good smooth route running ability along with his strong hands so get him in the fifth round and he gets to pair with Tyree Kill, Nicole Hardman. They brought back Demarcus Robinson. I think Powell going to be competing for that fourth wide receiver role with Byron Pringle, who saw a lot of snaps last year. They also have Antonio Callaway on the roster, Doris Fountain, who a lot of people liked a couple years ago, Marcus Kemp. So there's there's a lot of competition for Cornell Powell. But Cornell Powell can beat those guys. I don't think he's going to be able to beat the Demarcus Robinsons, the Nicole Hardmans, obviously the Tyree Kills of the world. And then Trey Smith. Look, Trey Smith, he's he had a up and down college career in the sense that he dealt with a lot of injuries. He had the blood clot issues and it looks like a lot of teams were tentative to add him here because I wasn't high on Trey Smith as like a second round pick, but I mean, the fourth round, in the third round even, he's somebody who is really, really strong at the point of attack and is a road grader in a phone booth. Now, you don't really want him kicking into space all that much. I felt like he had balance issues, found himself on the ground just a little bit too often. But as a run blocker, just in a phone booth, on down blocks, or just in base situations, if you need him to clear a path, he can do those things for you. And to get him in the sixth round on an offensive line that, look, everything I just named before, now you insert Trey Smith into that to develop behind these guys. And you also still have guys like Nick Allegretti and Andrew Wiley and some of these other Prince Tega Wanuga, who you drafted last year. That's just a solid group of developmental guys behind what now is a solid offensive line, which it was not last year, but it was totally revamped in so many different ways. So I think Kansas City's draft didn't have all that many picks, just had the six selections, and I think it was a pretty darn solid draft for Andy Reid and company. But let's move on to the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, skipping the Chargers. We'll go over them in a little bit. The Raiders, interesting to me, okay? They go with Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama. They had sources that a lot of other people were going to pursue him. I'm not as high on Leatherwood as other people. They get him in the first round, 6'5", 312 pounds. That's a good run blocker. I'm a little bit hesitant to say that he is a good pass protector. But they're going to probably try to line him up on the right side of their offense now that Colton Miller has kind of stepped up and seized the left tackle position, something that a lot of people, including myself, did not think he was going to be able to do. It was a slow transition, but he ended up putting it all together. And I'm not in love with that pick, but in the second round, they go with Trevon Morig, the TCU safety. And I actually do like that pick. This is a ball hawking type of safety, somebody totally different than Abrams, who they selected in the first round out of Mississippi State not that long ago. So I think you add Morig, and he can be that cover one center fielder. And then they like to play a lot of cover three concepts. At least Gus Bradley does. They bring him over to be their DC. And you can have him be that center fielder. And he can do a solid job. He has good ball skills. He has excellent range. He's not the biggest type of player. But getting him in the second round, the 11th pick in the second round, I think that's a solid get for the Las Vegas Raiders. Malcolm Kuntz out of Buffalo was our third round pick. Outside linebacker. Thought this was a bit of a reach. 
to be honest. And I guess they're looking for their next Max Crosby, who they got a little bit later than this in the draft. But Kuntz is six foot two, two 249 pounds. I saw him, watched him against the run. He played a Buffalo. He's getting pushed around a little bit. Not exactly uh, a pick that I am in love with. And they haven't necessarily nailed outside of Max Crosby. Some of these edge rushers that they've drafted. Max Crosby was a fourth-round pick in 2019 who ended up balling out for them in his rookie season and had a solid year last year. But Cleveland Farrell, their first-round pick in 2019, has been quiet throughout his career. He's a solid player, good run defender, but not somebody who is giving them the athletic upside or just the pass rush upside that you would expect in a top five selection. And they add Yannick Ngakwe, they bring in Carl Nassib, they bring in Solomon Thomas. And you look at the front, it's not terrible, but Malcolm Kuntz, there was just other selections I think I would have went with at that point in the draft. But in the third round, after Kuntz, I go with Divine Diablo out of Virginia Tech. And then in the fourth round, they went with Tyree Gillespie, Missouri safety. Both of these guys are safeties. Diablo is more of a box type of guy, six foot three, 225 pounds, can step down. One of those hybrid type of defenders that the NFL is gravitating towards who can play that star role, hybrid linebacker, safety type of guy, really, really good in run support, is a little bit undisciplined. Uh, in coverage can probably trust his eyes a little bit better but man he can really really lay the boom and just be a big physical presence the back end of a defense for teams so you know this just has Mike Mayock written all over it to be honest Gillespie he's another one who's six foot 207 pounds downhill run defender who really is just a strong tackler I I think he could be a little bit better just with his ball skills and just being able to be a playmaker on the ball. But getting him in the fourth round here just to add to a safety group where you already got Trevon Morig and you already selected Divine Diablo, they're labeled safeties, but I believe they're going to be used more of a versatile way, those second-level defenders that we talk about because you still have Jonathan Abram on this team. And I think you're going to see a lot of these guys line up as linebackers, especially Divine Diablo, along with Corey Littleton, Nick Kwiatkowski, and some of the other guys that they have on this roster. And then to round out their draft, they went with Nate Hobbs, Illinois cornerback, and Jimmy Morrissey, the Pittsburgh center. I don't really have a lot on the cornerback from Illinois, but Morrissey, he's a cool story. Kind of undersized. He's about 300 pounds. Smart type of player. He got a call to go down to the senior bowl. I think it was... It might have been Thursday or Friday, the Senior Bowl Saturday. So he already missed half the practices and all the times with his teammates down at the Senior Bowl. But Jim Nagy, the director of scouting for the Senior Bowl, the director there, invited Morrissey down because there were some injuries along the offensive line. And Morrissey was one of the replacements. And Morrissey, to his credit, went down there, didn't miss a beat, ended up playing in the game and was pretty impressive too so getting him in the seventh round he's just that tough gritty type of player i think that's a solid addition for the raiders i don't love this draft i think uh, there were better players to be selected at certain picks but if alex leatherwood can hit and be just a a solid right tackle to kind of hold down that offensive line that just needed to be replenished because everyone got just shipped out of town it seems like and him and colton miller end up being just presences on that offensive line for Carr, then it's it's going to be much better than how I view it right now. Then we have the Chargers draft, which I really did like. Let me run through the picks real quick and give a brief overview. First round, Rashawn Slater, Northwestern offensive tackle. Second round, Asante Samuel Jr., Florida State cornerback. Third round, two picks, Josh Palmer, Tennessee wide receiver, Trey McKitty, Georgia tight end. 
fourth round, Chris Rumpf, Duke, outside linebacker, fifth round, Brendan Hamies, Nebraska offensive tackle, sixth round, Nick Neiman, Iowa inside linebacker, and Larry Roundtree, the third, Missouri running back, and the seventh round, Mark Webb, Georgia safety. Look, they needed to upgrade the offensive line for Justin Herbert. You are able to get one of the top two tackles in the draft in Rashawn Slater, who can now slide in and be the left tackle, along with Brian Balaga, who's going to be on the right side. You add later in the draft, Hamies, who's fifth round pick and a pretty darn good player. Brandon Thorne, love this guy going into this draft. He can be a developmental guy. You can kick him inside if you really have to, but you made a focus to upgrade that offensive line, and I really, really respect that. You also made a focus to bring in a cornerback who can come in and play man coverage effectively and help this Ronaldo Hill coached defense because you have Tavarin Campbell, you have Michael Davis, who you brought back, Brandon Facey-son, who was the kid from Virginia Tech a couple of years ago, and None of these guys necessarily are great. You have Chris Harris, who was injured a lot of last year. He could be your nickelback. Samuel can play that, but Samuel can also play outside, I think. Sante Samuel, getting him in the second round was just a huge get for this team because he's a really, really solid player who is undersized. Josh Palmer, I thought it was a little early, not because of his skill set, because I think he really was just undervalued and underutilized, I more should say, at Tennessee because they couldn't really do anything offensively because the quarterback play was so bad. But Josh Palmer's a good vertical threat, and he's the type of guy that reminds me of a lot of those Chargers receivers who was being, who was being cycled into the games when Keenan Allen was dealing with injuries and Mike Williams was dealing with injuries, like the Teron Johnsons and the Jalen Guytons of the world, those types of guys. I think... Palmer has more upside. He's better a contested catch receiver than those guys, but he's also fast and he's a vertical type of weapon. And Herbert can heave the football. So that's a solid get for them. Maybe a little bit premature. I thought Trey McKitty was a little bit premature. He was the Florida State transfer to Georgia and he didn't really do much at Florida State. And he had like six catches or something at Georgia in 2020. So he didn't really do much there. Went down in the senior bowl, showed some nifty hands, to be honest, was making some contested catches, some one hand catches. So I think his concentration is really, really good, but he's not going to create that much separation. He has the size to be a solid blocker, not necessarily the girth, but he has the size. Size, six foot four, 246 pounds. He can hold up at the point of attack from everything that I've seen. Still thought it was a little bit of a reach. Chris Rumpf is a hybrid linebacker edge type of player that can be used on slants and kind of have this defense use his lateral agility to, to break him away on stunts, slants as the looper more so. He's not really great as a linebacker holding up he just punches in there. He can get washed down a lot, but you use him on the edge and allow him to use his natural gifts. He could be a solid player. Has the size, six foot three, two hundred forty-four pounds, to be a to be a solid rotational edge player early on in his career. That's kind of how I view him. And then Neiman's just a smart type of linebacker. His brother is over there for the on the Kansas City Chiefs right now. He's not somebody who's going to be overly athletic, but he's going to come downhill. He's going to know where to be. He's not going to be a liability from a processing standpoint, and he's also a good physical type of tackler. But man coverage, I didn't think he was terrible, to be honest, but that's not what he's going to be known for. There was a reason why he's around in the sixth round, but adding him to this defense isn't the worst thing for the Chargers. Roundtree is a solid running back who is just downhill, has good contact balance, doesn't necessarily have the home run type of speed I wouldn't say but just was a good pass protector at Missouri and I think he's somebody who can come in and kind of be that running back who is last on the depth chart behind the Joshua Kellys can compete with Joshua Kelly to be honest after a somewhat underwhelming 
rookie season by him and then maybe even Justin Jackson but this the running back room is owned by Austin Eckler as we all know who is a complete stud Mark Webb was the last pick in the seventh round he's somebody who is a, a solid overall athlete but was one of the leaders on the Georgia defense you can bring him in there and he can be more of a box type of presence but coverage isn't necessarily his best aspect which could be an issue but he could definitely slide into special teams Alrighty, everybody. That was the NFC and the AFC West's draft. This is Filato on Football. I am Nicholas Filato. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Please head on over to Big Blue View and check out all of the amazing articles we have going out there. I mean, there's content coming out, even though we're on the dead period right now. We're still providing content. But soon enough, more content will be coming. More football will happen. And we'll be right there, Giants fans, on Big Blue View to bring it all to you. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. And please be safe. And we'll talk to you soon.